Friday was the last day of a Taiwan tour by former U.S. National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien. At a press conference, he distanced himself from remarks he made to the news outlet Semaphore, in which he suggested the U.S. would sooner destroy Taiwan's semiconductor sector than let it be captured by China. The comments had courted controversy in Taiwan. On Friday, O'Brien emphasized that only China, not the U.S., was a threat to Taiwan. I'm never surprised when the uh, the CCP uh, says nasty things about me. That industry, that great industry, isn't going to survive a war with China. They don't want to live in an Orwellian totalitarian environment like it like exists in China today. The only country threatening to invade Taiwan is the PRC, led by the Communist Party of China. America would never invade Taiwan. America is, is said it will defend Taiwan. Joe Biden has said four times that the United States will defend Taiwan. The former security official also commented on the imminent severing of diplomatic ties between Taiwan and Honduras. He said the U.S. would help Taiwan deepen its relations with democratic partners to prevent China's authoritarianism from expanding. A U.S. House committee zeroed in on Taiwan on Thursday at a budget meeting for the 2024 fiscal year. Michael McCall, chair of the Committee on Foreign Affairs, raised concerns about Chinese interference in Taiwan's presidential election next year. He warned that China would ramp up aggression if it didn't get its desired election outcome. McCall said Taiwan was not prepared for conflict and that the U.S. should help Taiwan bolster its defenses in a bid to prevent war. So when people ask, why is Taiwan important? Imagine if China invaded Taiwan tomorrow and controlled 90% of the global supply. At a budget hearing for the fiscal year 2024, the chair of the U.S. House Committee on Foreign Affairs underscored China's threat to Taiwan. I personally think Chairman Xi is going to try to influence the election. If he fails, then I think Plan B will be a blockade and an invasion that will be on a scale that will make Ukraine look like a very small thing. He added that Taiwan was not ready for conflict. Taiwan is not prepared. We have no joint military exercises. The weapons I signed off on three years ago have yet to go into country. We need to arm them and prepare them to provide deterrence along with AUKUS and the Quad to deter the Chinese from an invasion. The U.S. budget for 2023 authorized up to 2 billion U.S. dollars in arms to Taiwan. No such clause was included in this year's proposal. The omission raised objections from the House Committee on Foreign Affairs Vice Chair Anne Wagner, who questioned the priorities of the Biden administration. Taiwan is a priority, and as you know, we have uh, many different ways of doing this. Uh, at the same time, uh, in the case of Taiwan, the most effective way to date uh, to make sure that they have what they need to defend themselves has been through the foreign military sales program. They increased their defense budget by 11 percent. Speaking at a separate House committee hearing, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said the U.S. must be prepared for a potential conflict with China. This is a strategy-driven budget and one driven by the seriousness of our strategic competition with the People's Republic of China. Preparation for war and deterring war is extraordinarily expensive, but it's not as expensive as fighting a war. And this budget prevents war and prepares us to fight it if necessary. 
the Pentagon is requesting 9.1 billion US dollars in support of the Pacific Deterrence Initiative, a sharp increase from last year's 6.1 billion US dollars. Officials say the budget will help keep China in check and preserve peace across the strait. A high-stakes nomination battle is brewing as the terms of four justices are set to expire in September. According to sources familiar with the matter, Taiwan's representative to Japan, Frank Xie, is being touted as a nominee. This has sparked an outcry from the main opposition party. KMT lawmaker William Tsung blasted the development, denouncing it as political patronage. For his part, Xie addressed the allegation on Friday. So I told my friends today, don't put my name forward. But that doesn't mean I'm not qualified. I studied legal philosophy, did research on legal justice, and have extensive practical experience. I have been a plaintiff, a defendant, a witness, and an expert witness. No one has as much experience as I do. No matter who is nominated, the KMT would be opposed, am I right? Not unless the nominee were Ma Ying-jeou. Xie emphasized that he had passed the special examination for justices and was more than qualified for the job. He also commented on former President Ma Ying-jeou's upcoming visit to China. Xie said he wasn't opposed to the trip, but did not endorse it or have expectations for it. He said he would only offer his blessings as Ma travels a perilous road. 2015, Taiwan was horrified by a fire caused by combustible dust particles at a water park in New Taipei. It ended with 17 deaths, with many others left with severe burns. Today, we meet one of the survivors, Li Huizhu, who has gone on to become a fitness coach. Despite living with the impact of burns on 42% of her skin, she's competing in weightlifting contests and running half marathons. We spoke to Lee to find out how she is rewriting the definition of health. Li Huizhu lifts a barbell over her head in one clean swing. She gently adjusts her position, watching herself in the mirror and even using her rest breaks to train. The determined, cheerful 29-year-old is full of life. It's hard to imagine that she was one of the survivors of the 2015 New Taipei Water Park fire, which left her with burns on 42% of her skin. Seven years later, the scars are still very obvious across her arms and legs. I've had experiences where people have shouted at me across the street, Hey girl, what's up with that? How did you get like that? The scars will be on me for the rest of my life. I'm always practicing that. After the fire, Lee picked up exercise again. Her skin is fragile and less flexible after recovering from the burns. But undaunted, she trains hard and is learning how to live happily with her scars. She's been in weight training for more than a year now and can deadlift 105 kilograms. In the past, I couldn't run up three flights of stairs. I think working out has been a very engaging thing for me, right from when I first got out of the hospital up until that moment when I realized I'm in slightly better shape. It's been a very engaging thing. Last year, Lee competed in the Taiwan Strongman competition, coming in at fourth place, as well as taking part in a Spartan race and a half marathon. 
She's determined to keep getting stronger so her legs can take her where she wants to go. Some people say women should be skinny, that that's the only way to be beautiful, but health doesn't look like we think it should. I think what I'm constantly searching for is what is true health. Now, Lee works as a full-time fitness coach. Her scars are proof of her immense courage and determination. She rebuilt her own agency after a horrific trauma, and now she's helping others find their own strength too. Over to baseball. The CTBC brothers announced they'll retire their first number ever to honor one of the team's most iconic players. Peng Zhenming, also known as Cha Cha, was a star hitter for the team and had played as number 23. Pong retired as a player in 2019, but is still fondly remembered as an irreplaceable member of the team. A ceremony to retire his number is set for April 2nd. Pong had a 19-season career with the brothers that boasted six championships, over 2,000 hits and 1,000 RBIs. His impact went beyond the CPBL. He also made a mark on the international stage as part of Taiwan's national team. The Taipei Metro has announced plans to build a pedestrian bridge over Civic Boulevard near Taipei Main Station to make the area more walkable. The proposal has gotten mixed reactions. Some pedestrians say a walkway would save them time and hassle. But critics raise concerns about the impact on motorists and local businesses. Even after rush hour, Civic Boulevard near Taipei Main Station is still busy with traffic. Along the thoroughfare, signs warn of fines for jaywalking. To cross the street, pedestrians have two options, taking an underpass connecting to the Zhongshan Metro Mall or walking 200 meters to the nearest zebra crossing. The Metro Mall and MRT corridors are all connected, so you can lose your way quite easily. I have tried walking around, but it's a hassle. It takes an extra 5 to 10 minutes. I hadn't come for some time, so I didn't quite know how to get around. If you take the wrong exit, you have to go back in. It's annoying. According to Taipei Metro, out-of-towners often get lost in the underground mall and must spend a long time deciphering maps or turning to their phones for guidance. After years of deliberation, the transport company decided to build a raised walkway connecting Taipei bus station with Guoguan Motor Transport's bus terminal. With a price tag of 400 million NT, the project aims to save pedestrians a headache. It would have to be at least 4.6 meters tall so that vehicles can pass through below. It has to be high, but we can't move the overpass above it, so that gives very little clearance to pedestrians on the walkway. It'd be quite uncomfortable. If you are driving at ground level on Civic Boulevard, the bridge would form a divider that cuts the skyline in half. Although some applaud the initiative, experts say it would obstruct views for motorists and run counter to current trends in urban design. Meanwhile, a city council member questions the need for a raised walkway. This would be putting the cart before the horse. They would be doing it without consulting anyone. If they build the walkway, then nobody would pass by the shops in the metro mall, which would deliver a blow to their business. Also, nowadays, many cities are taking down their pedestrian bridges. Why is building a bridge the solution to lost tourists? Tourists don't know how to navigate the underground passages. They often have to come up to ground level to find their way around. The Sky Bridge would benefit tourists who come.
The metro company said the bridge was part of the Western District Gateway project and was still under review by the Urban Planning Committee, which will accept feedback from all stakeholders. It's World Tuberculosis Day, and Taiwan is celebrating a 62% reduction in new TB cases. But doctors warn that the disease can lurk undetected from three months up to 50 years. People with latent TB don't usually feel sick, but they could develop active TB whenever their immune systems become weak. Authorities encourage everyone to get screened for early detection and treatment. Yes, we can. The Taiwan CDC held a press conference to mark World Tuberculosis Day. Years of effort have lowered the TB incidence rate from 73 cases per 100,000 people in 2005 to 28 cases in 2022, a drop of 60 percent. But the figure doesn't factor in latent TB infections. According to the literature, the dormant phase can be anywhere from three months to 30 or 50 years. Most of the TB bacteria entering the body can be curbed by our immune system. You won't develop the disease immediately, but there is a 10% or even higher chance that you will develop active TB later. During the latent stage of TB, it can't be spread to others. That's the best time for intervention. So when we're offering screenings for latent TB, we ask the public to come forward and get screened and accept treatment for latent TB. People with latent infections show no symptoms and are not contagious. But at times when their immune systems are weak, the infection could turn active. Officials are urging screenings for early detection and treatment. As for whether the pandemic brought down the number of screenings, generally speaking, there hasn't been a significant change. Over the last three years, screenings and treatment for latent TB have been ongoing. The Taiwan CDC says to seek medical attention for warning signs of TB, which include a cough lasting more than two weeks, a fever, phlegm, chest pain and weight loss. Taiwan's fashion industry is thriving, but while most of the country's fashion experts are based in Taipei, there's a growing fashion hub down in the south. The Kaohsiung Fashion Awards are the highlight of the fashion calendar in southern Taiwan. Last year, the awards opened up to international students, creating a burst of new energy for the fashion scene. We went to the port city to meet some of the designers who are contributing to this sartorial renaissance. Models and celebrities take to the catwalk at Kaohsiung Fashion Awards, setting the standard for fashion in the South. Kaohsiung has invested heavily in the fashion industry, hoping to tempt rising stars to build their careers in the city. Fashion designer Sun Yi-ji focuses intently as he cuts a piece of fabric before taking it to the sewing machine. He's been working in Kaohsiung ever since he graduated, and his formal wear creations are all one of a kind. 
I've worked with TV presenters and performers. For example, the FTV presenter Crystal Liu. This year, we worked with her for the Ali Shan Sunrise Impression Concert and produced her clothing. The performers we've worked with include Janet and Patty Lee. We've collaborated on their outfits when they hosted events and made publicity appearances. Meanwhile, Wang Rei Ding is another Kaohsiung designer. After growing up in Kaohsiung, he studied occupational therapy at university before returning to his hometown to take up the family uniform business and its three decades of history. His designs incorporate thoughtful elements from many other walks of life. My mother might feel that functional fabrics such as antibacterial fabrics are unnecessary, but what we discussed was first trying to use them in clothes that will come in direct contact with food, such as uniforms for restaurant staff. And in the end, we came to an agreement. Wang and his mother have clashed over design theory, but their collaboration has sweet results. They've also witnessed the transformation in Kaohsiung's design industry in recent years. On the one hand, we've been serving in this place for a long time, and we've developed relationships with various firms and companies. Of course, the industry in Taipei is very far ahead, but we think there are also lots of opportunities in Kaohsiung. More and more department stores are opening here, which shows that this place has consumer power. The fashion awards have grown quite fast from its first year to now. At the start, it was limited to design schools in the south, but last Last year, they started to allow international fashion students to enter. In that sense, I feel like it's the Southern Fashion Index. The growth of the fashion industry in Kaohsiung is thanks to government support, but also to the hard work of many young designers who are determined to put down roots in their hometown and create a new fashion capital for Taiwan. Taiwan's craftspeople are renowned worldwide. And now, an upcoming carpenter has made his first big splash in the world of woodworking. Chen Shikai won gold for professional woodworking in the World Skills Competition 2022. The prestigious event is a major gathering of elite craftspeople from all around the world. Chen created an elaborate window frame to clinch his medal, working flat out over four days. Chen saws a plank of wood up, only to reassemble it. He uses various textures and colors of wood to create many different types of products. Woodworking by hand measures on the texture of the finished product, which is very different to machine work and requires consummate skill. Chen has been honing the craft for years. You have to train this as soon as you start in the workshop. How to saw, sawing straight. You might have to do 10 or 20 planks in one day. It's something you must do every day. You have to maintain the feeling for it. Chen first got into carpentry at vocational college, then studied wood science and design at university. Over seven years, he's perfected the foundational skills. And last October, he was finally chosen to represent Taiwan at the World Skills Competition in Switzerland. He beat competitors from around the world to win a gold medal in the Windows and Doors Professional Woodworking Contest. You only find out the task the day before the contest. The whole contest is 22 hours long, spread out over four days. The hardest thing is managing the time well and completing your task within the time limit and making it as flawless as possible. 
The task set this time was a window frame, but not just any window frame. It had to be possible to disassemble, open both inward and outward, and feature a lattice with an irregular curved edge. It had to be asymmetrical, both vertically and horizontally, and contestants were forbidden to use nails. A technical and artistic challenge. The hard part was these mortars and tenon joints. You have to saw them by hand. On the surface, it looks like they've just been cut and stuck together in a simple way. But inside, they're actually very complicated. They have to be divided into many equal parts, and then you must stick the two materials together. During the contest, Chen had a major error but managed to fix it and complete the product within the time limit. The gold medal is a triumphant conclusion to his time at university and a good omen as he heads out into professional life. And turning to the weather, northern Taiwan is experiencing cloudy skies with only occasional brief showers due to a weak front that's passing through. But brace yourself for a dramatic turn over the weekend. According to the latest forecast, the mercury will be dropping as rains bear down in north and northeast on Saturday. There will be a chance of rain across the entire island on Sunday. Let's hear from a forecaster. Yesterday, along the northern coast, there was a prominent convective system extending all the way from the coastal region of southern China's Fujian province. Its structure is very good. In meteorology, it's known as a squall line. There's a chance it could persist from Saturday night to Sunday. That period from Saturday night to Sunday is when the moist cloud system from southern China will have the greatest impact. The high-pressure system will gradually move eastward, pushing in colder air. Moisture from southern China is expected to follow into Taiwan, bringing a chance of rain island-wide. Heavy rains are on the way for the east coast and areas north of Tainan, especially the central mountain range. But if you're in, in the southern part of the island, you'll likely be in for only a quick shower. The Central Weather Bureau says relief won't be in store for the area's water shortage until the plum rains arrive.